time for us to dive into the Word of God. Before I begin, as you could tell, I'm already excited. And I'm excited for a couple reasons, because this Word of God convicted me before I even started. Because this is a part of who I am and what I struggle with. I'm just being totally honest. But my prayer is that you allow me to delineate the word to split. I'm going to split hairs today because I think that we have either over-glorified this word or we have not admitted that we are doing this. Okay? So I'll get to that in a second, but I do want you to be open-hearted despite maybe how confrontational this may be. Without further ado, let us dive into the word of God together and let us... Let us hopefully with an open heart. Dearly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity for us to dive into your word. God, you are amazing. You are beautiful. You are awesome. God, I do pray that we will um, approach this word with an open heart. I pray that I preach it with an open heart, transparent, so that people can recognize this is not a preacher to the people. This is somebody who is convicted by your word, preaching from conviction, because I already know that it's something I can get better at. So God, I thank you for the opportunity to, for your word to speak to me first, and hopefully you, they will feel the same way. But I also pray that their hearts are receptive, but also open and honestly willing to pay attention for the duration of the text. That I will be thorough, but I will do a good job of explaining according to only your word and your word alone. God, I also lastly pray that, that your word will be more powerful than my own. That I will remove myself from the word so that all people can see is the beauty of who you are. And the example that you've given us. God, I love you and I thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I ain't got any parents out there. Good. Now, this is the most annoying question you'll probably ever experience in your life. And there's a couple of reasons why. And it wasn't until I was a parent did I realize why it was annoying. When you're driving on a road trip or just from the south side of Houston to the north, it doesn't matter because that's a road trip, Okay. Anytime you drive from one side of Houston to the other, that's a road trip. You can call it, you get snacks, you get everything, you need water, whatever you need, right? But anytime you're driving, what's the number one question you receive? Are we there yet? Can't stand it, and it wasn't until I was a parent. Now, when I was a kid, it made sense. But the reason why it doesn't make sense now is a simple reason. Because they ain't doing nothing. They don't contribute to the trip. They don't help you drive. They don't press the brakes. They don't fight traffic. They start playing with things in the car. They start asking questions that don't help the trip go any faster. Like, hey, Dad, what's, when you were red, when you were six, what was your favorite color? I don't care. I'm fighting traffic. Like, stuff like that. Like, it doesn't help us get where we got to go, but they want to get there, right? They, 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 they don't enjoy it. When we were on road trips as a kid, I kept asking, when are we going to get there? And after a while, you had to stop asking, but that's not the point. The point is very simple. They didn't contribute anything, but had a lot of complaints about getting to the destination. And then I look at God and say, man, we don't contribute much to our destination, but we sure do got a lot of complaints, don't we? And sometimes we don't even know where we're going because the kids have no idea where we're going. And where we're going is best for them because they're with us because we're taking them along with the ride. We're fighting the traffic, though. We're the ones wasting the gas to get them to their destinations. And now that I'm a parent of kids in sports, guess what? Now I'm driving them to every sporting event from Tomball to Sugarland on a Saturday, making sure every kid gets an hour before their game so they can warm up, which doesn't mean anything because they're young and they shouldn't have to warm up. I need a warm up. They are fine. 
But I'm getting them to where they need to be, and I'm the one pressing my brakes, and the guy's looking at you and say, wait, wait a second, I'm driving the car, and I'm pressing the brakes, and I'm fighting traffic, and I'm fighting all your battles to get you to your destination before you even need to get there because I have a plan of why you need to be there. Stop asking about, what, are we there yet? Just enjoy the ride. So today I want you to enjoy the ride as we talk about this road trip called life where the trouble continues to follow you. And I wonder if you're like me when the trouble continues to follow you, how many of us have a way of complaining about what's happening in your life? Now, before I even get into the text in Exodus 15 verse 22, you can turn there in Exodus 15 22. Before I even get there, just know before we even read this text in the same chapter, just go up a couple verses and they were singing the first written praise song ever in the Bible. That means before they fix and they start grumbling and complaining, they were just singing. And then I say, man, isn't it crazy that we can go from praising God to complaining about God in a matter of moments? That we can leave Sunday and continue the same complaint we had before we got here and we'll finish it after we left. And the things that we were mad about, the things that we were upset about, maybe even the argument you had in the car with your significant other before you got here is the same argument you finished when you get in that ride. Is that, we, that, that praise doesn't change our attitude, it is just a song. But when praise changes who you worship and praise is about who you worship, you have no choice but to not complain because you're praising a God who just split a Red Sea. Secondly, they just came from the Red Sea. That's why they were praising God. They saw all the Egyptians wash up on the shore, and that's when they started their praise song. But how could they go from seeing God be victorious to complaining about something that he just manipulated? Now watch this and pay attention. In verse 22, it says this word. It says, in the wilderness. And I know that it gives you a lot of where they were, but I want you to see it. Then Moses, watch these words, led Israel from the Red Sea. Now remember, we talked about this word led a couple times, but I'm going to be brief with this one for the sake of time. I want you to get this. If God is leading you, why do we complain about where he's taking us? The only reason that we have a way of complaining about where he's taking us is if you don't understand that he's still in control of the destination. This is my case in point, and I'll be quick with this one. How many of us argue with our GPS? Some of y'all been around Houston. I depend on my GPS. Me and her don't get in arguments. We cool. There's no need to discuss why she took me left when I think we should go right. Why? Because I already know I'm not good at direction. Monica's better in directions than me, and I'm willing to admit that publicly. And it's not just because it's her birthday. But some of us think we know Houston so well. What do we do? It'd be like, turn left. Nah. Nah, you know, I, I got to use 34. I, I just think tripping. They don't know. But if I'm not mistaken, guess what? The GPS uses a satellite, so the satellite knows where the traffic is, so it might be taking you on a detour. But if you want to be led, why are you questioning it? And then I'm going to use this word complaining about what you have asked it to do. Some of us treat God the same way. Where we're like, God, I'm not sure. But if I'm not mistaken, he just led you the last time the correct way. And he just used the Red Sea to give you an example of what he does when he leads you to a spot where you don't belong. And on top of that, not only did he lead you to the Red Sea, he also led you out of Egypt using all the plagues. So if it would make sense not to question or complain when the GPS has never messed up before. But some of us, you know, we don't like being led. Can I be honest with you? Some of us complain about where we lead ourselves to. Hear me. And some of us lead ourselves in the wrong direction and complain about where we end up. It's like dating the wrong person and be like, God, I don't want this man here. No, no, no. You picked him. You met him at the club. You knew where you found him. 
And now you complain that he still goes to the club. No, no, no. You found him there. Don't complain now. God, I hope you change him. No, no, no. You missionary dated. You was going to save him. Don't complain about where he is now. Talking about, I don't know why. He, he used to be better than this. No, he wasn't. But if you lead yourself down a direction, if you make bad financial decisions, don't complain about where you are. Just ask God to do something about where you are. But let's move on. Led. Then he said he led him in the wilderness. I just want you to get this definition. That's the first thing you have on your notes. A death, oh, the wilderness is not where you want to be. Am I, this is why this whole series is called In the Wild, correct? So if it's not where you want to be, but it also is where God wants you to be, that means sometimes God leads you not where you want to be, but where you need to be. So therefore, the wild is supposed to not have water. Hear this out. This is important because we're fixing to complain about water. It's supposed to be desolate. It's supposed to have turns that you're not supposed to want to go down. It's supposed to have canvases and caves. It's supposed to look like it's not supposed to be traveled because it's called the what? Wilderness. But just because you're in the wilderness and you're like, God, this is a road less traveled doesn't mean that our God can't travel it for you. Because if I'm not mistaken, there was still a cloud by day and a fire by night because it was leading them on their whole journey. So if God was leading them the whole time, why are you questioning God's leadership? It was supposed to be this way. So let me, let me ask you a question. In your wilderness, do you still trust God? In the wild, even if you... But here's the problem. When we don't like where we're traveling, we start to complain about the person who's guiding us there. And God's like, no, 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 I want you here. And you're going to find out why, because you're going to see in a second that God is knew exactly where he was taking him. It wasn't a, a, a mistake. It wasn't a question. He knew exactly where he wanted them to be because he says right here in the next verse, it says what? They traveled three days without water. Okay. You're like, okay, Pierre, prove it. Watch this verse. We're going to get there. It says, when, it says, and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. The word you want to pay attention to is what? The word found. That means they were what? Looking. So I know you're like, Pierre, that, that's not something like you broke ground with and it's not like something you blew me away with. But how many of y'all have been looking and can't find what you need? And sometimes you have to recognize that's on purpose. Because if you were to find it, you wouldn't know that God did it. It's when you're not looking. It's when you have no other opportunities. It's when you have no way of finding it yourself. It's when you can't do it on your own, then all of a sudden you get to say what? I'm going to choose to cry or complain, and we'll get to that in a second. But then they finally get to some water. Three days later, now remember, were they wrong? Now this is where we're going to start splitting hairs, and I pray that your heart is still with me. That was a lot of background, I know. But pray your heart stays with me. Were they wrong for recognizing they didn't have water? No. Now, this is where me and the church are going to differ. Especially 8 o'clock, me and them have some arguments. Because the first thing that many of us do as Christians is that we think we have to swallow what is reality. How y'all doing? I can't complain. God is good all the time. Correct statement. He is good and he's still good all the time. But saying you can't complain is just fake. Because in reality, you know your circumstances. You've seen your bank account before you left the church. Some of us were praying we got here. It didn't have to fill up our tank because we knew our bank account. 
Some of us know that we don't have the job we want. That's reality. But stop hiding your reality and thinking you're complaining. That's not the issue. Did they need water? Yes. Do you need a job? Yes. Do you need to make, if you're single and you want to, get, and you want to get married? Yes. Those are realities because you need to learn how to pray and be open and transparent with your realities. That's just what it is. The problem is the church has so many fake people that are now hiding behind, I'm not going to complain. When reality, you should be able to tell somebody your reality so that they can pray with you, walk with you, talk with you, and then you confess it. Oh, this is beautiful. Because God wasn't mad or upset with them for recognizing they didn't have water. Because guess what they started running out of? They had their skins full of water. That's how they made it three days. In a desert that was hot. They had skins full of water. But guess what? They're not dumb. If you keep pouring the water out and you see the skin gets less and less and less, that means you have what? No water. I'm not asking you to be blind to where you at. But then they finally found it. They finally get to a place, watch these words, where God led them. And guess where he led them to? Mara. So you're like, yeah, that's good news. They got led to water. No, that's horrible news because guess what? Guess why they named it Mara? Because the water that was there was bitter. So not only were they thirsty, and if you look at the Hebrew word, the word doesn't mean it was just bitter like it didn't have a great taste like the Sani water. You know what I'm saying? Like the Sani we all know. That's like drinking tap in a bottle. We know what that is. I'm not talking about Dasani versus Ozarka. I'm not talking about the comparison. You're like, they just being picky. I'm talking about the junk was salty. You can't drink salty water. So now they're desperate, right? They're thirsty. They're seeing their skins are empty. And they're like, yo, how are we going to feed these camels? How are we going to feed all these horses? How are we going to feed my kids? How are we going to drink water? It's been three days. And if we don't have water, we're going to die. Reality. But then all of a sudden, you come and you finally get to it and you can't drink it. How many of us think we have the right to complain? So my point to you is very simple. We're going to have to decide what is complaining and what is right. Because many of us have dis disregarded the truth and we kept saying, hey, I don't want to talk about this with God. How many of us have ever been there and saying, I don't want to bring this up with God no more? Uh, uh, God doesn't want to hear me complain. But in reality, watch the beauty of the text. It says, and the, therefore it was named Mara, verse 24. So the people grumbled at Moses, saying, what shall we drink? But the Bible uses a Hebrew word that cannot be disregarded. He didn't say they asked him what we will drink. It says the people grumbled and then said, what shall we drink? But the word grumble is different than ask. So you are allowed to ask God questions, ladies and gentlemen. Please. God wants to hear your questions. He wants to hear you say what's on your heart. And he knows your reality already before you even know your reality. So you are allowed to express the disdain for your reality. You're allowed to say, God, this saddens me. This hurts me. I don't like this bitter water, God. You are allowed to say it. But when the word switches... It says grumble. Grumble means to waver. Pay attention. I'm here with God, but the moment I see the water, now I'm back over here. It's going to become evident when I get to chapter 16. That, that because of my circumstances, now I waver with who God is and what he's going to do. Now I'm not sure who God is. So the moment something in your life causes you to question God, that is when you start to grumble. 
The moment in your life where you're not sure of who God is in your life because your circumstances are not right, that's when you start to grumble. It's okay to say, God, I'm not sure what you're doing, but I'm still going forward. I'm not sure what you're doing, but I'm still here. I'm still going to be obedient. That is okay. You are allowed to say, God, I'm not sure what's going on, but I'm still on the other side of this fence. I'm not going back to greener pastures or what I think is greener. I'm good right here, but this here stinks. The problem is that it's a faith issue. Grumbling is a faith issue. So I hate to say this, and I hope you love me after I say this. If you complain a lot, it's not just the fact that you have a negative attitude, which we'll get to in a second. It's the fact that you have a faith problem. Grumbling means that I question God because I don't believe he's going to do what I want him to do. Grumbling is me saying, "Mm, I see my job, I don't like it. So because I don't like it, I'm not going to act the way God asked me to act. Because faith causes what? Work. And the way you know your grumbling is now changing your attitude and is now a grumbling is when you stop working on your faith. It's when you stop being obedient in what your circumstances are. It's when you look at the water and say it's bitter and then turn your back on God and go the other way. It's when you say my circumstances are so bad, I'm going to miss church. I ain't reading my Bible and I definitely ain't praying because he ain't heard me yet. That is grumbling. But let me be honest. So I told you I'm preaching from transparency. There are days in my life where I've allowed the situation and the circumstances to dictate my faith. This is the preacher, so you don't have to feel like I'm judging you. There are days in my life where I hate my circumstances. Not currently. I was in the past. I thank God I have great circumstances now. But we're going to get to that in a second because you're going to realize that ain't good either. But I'm blessed. But there were moments when the tally was sick, when my kids were running around and getting fevers, when you're like, God, what is going on? I can't catch a break. How many of y'all have ever been there where the trouble seems to follow you from every destination? You go from one job to the next, from one email to the next. Once you think you finally got a break at work and all of a sudden you come home and it's a mess. That is what this thing I called life. The question is, does life cause you to become, watch these next word, bitter? Bitter is an attitude change. Bitter means that you see your circumstances of your past or your present, and it makes you change your attitudes, but not just like you walk around with a mad resting face. It changes your attitude towards God. What they should have been doing is exactly what happens next. But let me give you one more connotation of the word murmur so you can get this. It means to rebel. This is the root. The root of the word means to rebel against God. It means that I see God and I'm so mad at him that I will turn my back on him. How could you lead us to bitter water, God? How could you lead me to this husband? You, you see me, I'm struggling for five years. Uh, my finances ain't right for 10 years. And it finally gets to a point where you say, you know what? Oh, I'm done with church. I'm done with people. I'm tired of calling the same person. She going to say the same thing. That is an open rebellion. So sometimes people say, I can't complain. No, 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 no. You have the right to see your reality. The second part is say, when you express your reality, are you still moving forward and not rebelling? That's two different things. I want you to get this because the Bible is so beautiful because he gives you multiple representations of the same thing. Because you would think that after the Red Sea, after the plagues, after they're fixing the fight of battle, after all of this, you would think, but watch how many times this word comes up just in their journey. Just in their journey alone. 
Exodus 16, 2, 7 through 9, 12, 17, 3, 14, 2, 27, 29, 16, 41, 17, 5, 10, Deuteronomy 1, 27, Joshua 9, 18. That's how many times they continue to grumble. So therefore, I ask you the same question. How many complaints do you really have? Because some of us are still grumbling over the same thing. And I'm going to say something that's kind of rude. I told you I was going to get in trouble today. What if that never changes? What if your circumstances in the wilderness never changes? Will you stop complaining and start working? What if the marriage issue is just God working on you? But instead, every counseling session you go to, you're trying to find out a new avenue to blame your husband or wife about how bad they are. And God's like, no! The wilderness is because I want you to learn. Not so you can blame somebody else. But let me move on. Let me get this last one in. I, I, I needed to get this one. And I, I, I'm trying to be better with my time. Second service, I know. But it also is, watch these words. It is a reversal of the liberation in which God has given you. I know it sounds like a lot of theology, but bear with me. It is you seeing the, the liberation that God is presenting you and you reversing and saying, I'm only paying attention to what he hasn't done. Because it, you would think that they'd be like, man, we just got out of Egypt. He sure ain't going to kill us out here. So you, they, you think that they would focus on their what? Their liberation. They were set free. You would think that when Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins and rose three days later, we would have less to complain about because we are now what? Free. But that miracle has become so dull to us that we now focus on what he hasn't done. It is a reversal of your liberation. So what grumbling is saying is, I see what you've done. I need something else. Oh, but then God is so good at his scripture because watch the word that happens. Who they complain against? Moses. Who is Moses? God's representative. So who they really complaining about? God to the person. Now, you'd be like, Pierre, make that make sense. They knew they were complaining to Moses to go talk to God. This is what I'm trying to get you to understand. So don't think they were like, well, Pierre, they weren't talking to God. No, they were definitely talking to God through Moses. Now, let me ask you this question. I'm going to lay this out here. If how many of y'all ever been a, seen that, that caller ID pop up? Don't, don't y'all love the caller ID? Let's keep it a buck. Don't y'all love caller ID? Yeah, yeah. How many of you ever saw the person you knew was going to call and complain about the same thing and just rolled your eyes? You're like, oh gosh. <laughs> y'all have all been here. Are you that person? If it, if it ain't happened to you, you that person. <laughs> oh. When you pray before you pick up, have you ever done that? I go, dearly father, give me the strength. <laughs> but it's not the fact that you don't want to be a friend. It's the fact that they complain and don't do nothing about it. And guess what you do? You give them the same advice every time. All right, baby, I understand your husband's bad. I need you to go back home and I need you to try to love him. <laughs> you don't know my husband. All right, then stop calling. <laughs> But then Moses does something different. He says this. Then, verse 25, what did they just do? They grumbled. Watch the word switch in the Hebrew. Then he cried out. Two different words. They grumbled. He cried. So guess what I'm giving you the liberation to do? Cry. Like, hear this is that we've often over-spiritualized what crying out really is. 
It means to shout out, watch these words, for God's deliverance. It's to say, God, I ain't got nothing. I don't, I, there's nothing else I can do. We're at bitter water. It's real. I can't change the bitter water. But you can. See the difference? They were saying, we're grumbling because you can't do nothing. Moses was saying, I've seen you use this stick three times. I need you to use it again. God, I'm crying out. So guess what I'm telling you to do, ladies and gentlemen? Some of us haven't cried out in a long time. You've complained about it a lot, though. But you have not once said, God, deliver me. God, shake me from this. God, do something about it. And even if you take your time, I am okay with your time as long as you do what you think is best. Now, because God does something when he does it. Oh, man. Watch these words. The Lord showed. Now, look at the timeline. Did he do anything to the people? No, no, no. He didn't answer nothing yet. When Moses cried out, what happens next? The Lord showed him a what? Tree. Now check it. Many people, even in commentaries, have been trying to find out scientifically what tree this is that could turn salty water into sweet water. Ladies, I got news for you. You ain't going to put science on this. This is my God. And maybe if they find a tree that's that good, amen, I don't care. But I do know one thing. For a million people to drink in an instantaneous moment, no tree falling in the water does that that fast. So it don't matter about science. What I know is my God takes a natural circumstance and makes it supernatural. So the reason why you cry out to him is because your natural circumstances may never change until a supernatural presence comes. So instead of complaining about the supernatural, recognize the natural, but pray for supernatural change. Because when my God gets a glimpse of what he can do, when you see that he does not change it just to drinkable, he doesn't change it to Dasani, he changes and makes it what? Sweet. So your marriage that is bitter, your attitude that is bitter, the circumstances from your past that is bitter, my God can change your past into some sweet water. He could change that experiences into sweet water. He could change your marriage into sweet water. He could change your singleness into sweet water. My God doesn't just change it to where it's livable. Your marriage doesn't have to become livable and that's okay. You don't have to go from the, on the brink of divorce to roommates. No, he's saying, I can make it where you want to drink it. Oh my God. It's not in the business of just making it okay. He's in the business of letting you know it's him. See, I want you to get this. He wants you to know this wasn't a switch change. He wants you to know that something supernatural happened. But I want you to get this because right after that, pay attention, and I'll be fast. Right after that, he said, I'm going to test you. This is good. This is really good because I want you to understand. It says this. Watch these words. There he made for them a statute and regulation. All that quickly means is that he made for them the, a guide and a judge, a guide and what he will judge them by. And then he made them rules in which they are obligated to follow. And he said, I, if you give your, he says, and there he tested them. There he tested them. You know what test means? To reveal your intentions and your character. So sometimes what you're going through means that God wants to see and reveal to you because he already knows who you are. So sometimes the tests that you hate are God just revealing the character flaws in you, not in somebody else. Because the test was only what? 
Solitary. You know what looking at somebody else's paper does you in school? That means you're cheating. So stop looking at your husband, your wife, your boyfriend, your girlfriend's paper. That's they test. That's not yours. The only test was individual. So he said, I'm going to test them. But guess what the beauty of this test was? It was in a blessing. Many times we see tests as negative circumstances revealing the problem with your life. And God's like, no, no, no. They just got blessed and I tested them. So sometimes the blessing is your testing. And you know what I mean by that? When you have the surplus but you stop coming to church because now everything in your life is fixed and you're like, well, I don't need God no more. That's exactly, when you finally get sweet water in your life, you're like, well, bet we can make it. God's like, no, 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 no. In your blessings, when you finally got the house you want, when your marriage is finally fixed, when you're singleness and you finally got a boyfriend you actually like and he go to church and you suppose he's a good guy and vice versa and you got a woman you like and you're like, oh, I finally got it together. And that's when you start missing what God tells you to do. That's when you stop obeying. God is saying, I can tell who you really are when you don't need me. <laughs> because I say, he said, I hope they pay attention to my voice. I want you to read that scripture with me, and I promise I need to go fast through that one because we got to get to the next verse. It says this. It says, it says, watch this verse. It said, and he said, if you will give ear, this is the test, to heed to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right. And watch these words, his sight, not yours. This is critical. This is important. It is to give heed to his voice and do what is right, not in your sight, in his. So when you're in the wild, do you give heed to what is right only in God's eyes? When your marriage is not working, are you still going to be the husband that is right in his sight? Not what you think your wife deserves. When, you're, when you think, hey, when I get my finances right, I'll finally start doing this. I'll finally start giving. I'll finally, whatever you want to put on that name. God is saying, no, I just want you to know if you're going to do what's right in my sight even when you're still in the wild. That's the best way of putting it without doing every word because every word in that one verse means something. Heed means something. It means to pay careful attention to means something. Give ear to my commandments, my statutes, and I will put no disease. He's saying, if you do it, whatever Egypt just experienced, you won't get it. But then let's get down to you. You would think, hey man, God just turned the water sweet. You would think that you would realize that, hey, I'm in the car seat, in the back seat. What am I worried about when I get there? I'm just going to enjoy the fact that I have a good parent who knows how to drive. I'm just going to enjoy the ride. But no. Watch what happens next. Read 16 verse 1 with me. They're still in the wild, but they're in there longer now. And it says, which is between, it says, watch this, verse 1. Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after their departure from the land of Egypt. So now he tells you how long they've been here. Now, I want to, can I reverse things on you real quick? Just, just play some reverse psychology. From a human perspective, hear me, that's a long time to be in the desert, right? Okay, so if you say, Pierre, you don't know how long I've been going through this, how long my health has been an issue, how long this is going on in my home, how long I've had a fool with these kids, you, you, it makes sense, right? Remember I told you, it's realistic. But then the reversal is probably even more beautiful that we often don't think about. It's been months in the wilderness and they ain't done nothing, but God has been given everything. 
So while you're saying, all oh, my kids, my marriage, my home, my finances, God is like, but you, you still eating. Wait, wait, but y'all ain't divorced yet. Wait, wait, but you're still single and happy, though. You still can have joy, right? Oh, wait, but you have a roof over your head. And he's looking at you like, you're missing the blessing. You say you've been here a long time, and I'm saying I've kept you a long time. It's like looking at a car, and you're like, man, I really like that car. While you're riding your paid-off car. So, yeah, you don't have all the buttons and the gadgets. I ain't going to front. I was driving my wife. We just came back from a little nice Airbnb, and all of a sudden, I see two Teslas just fly by me. Now, I don't want cars like that, but I love buttons. Tesla got a lot of buttons. Got a whole computer screen in the front. And they flew by me. And you could tell that car wasn't working as hard as mine. Because I didn't hear nothing. Now, did I keep up? Absolutely. My dad taught me the rule. Somebody going faster than you, follow behind them, let them get a ticket. I know that. That's called a rabbit. So I made my car work for that. <laughs> you going 90, big bad. We going 87. <laughs> and watch, what do you do? Pay attention to what? Brake lights. That's what you do. If they break, you break. That's, that's the rule of thumb. Stay a mile behind. Now, I didn't teach you how to cheat, but let's keep going. <laughs> I got distracted with what? God sustaining my car on the road going 87 miles an hour because somebody was going 90 with no noise. But can I tell you something? Sometimes we complain about our comparison. Have you ever noticed that? This, is, this wasn't even a part of the first sermon. This is just, I'm going to ask God to just, hopefully this lands okay. Many of us have compared ourselves to IG, Twitter, people on there, body types, marriages, and we compare ourselves, which creates our complaint. If I was just like this, if I just looked like this, if I just had all this, if I had money like that, I would do that too. Then you start asking questions like, God, where my money? I'm faithful. God, where my savings account? I'm faithful. And this girl over here sinning. I see what she's doing. She called me when she do it. Y'all been here. Yeah, because your comparison creates your complaint. Have you ever noticed that your test is yours, your life is yours, your race is yours? And once you stop comparing yourself, you'll realize you can be content all day. Because why compare yourself to what God's given grace for? Because God's given you grace to be who you are. But let's move on. <laughs> Because watch what happens next. This word is important. Verse 2, chapter 16. It says, the whole congregation. So first it was people. Now, I did my Hebrew study, and the word whole just means everybody. Congregation means the assembly of those who believe the same thing. So guess what they did? All the people who were supposed to believe in God. Now I got to complain against them again. But this time they use the word whole. I don't know if that means he's separating from the first passage, which means what? That some people weren't complaining. But now everybody is. You know what I, you know I realized? That negative attitudes rub off. Critical attitudes, complaining attitudes. Oh, and then we look at our kids like, I don't know why they're so critical. <laughs> they learn from the best. I don't know why they complain so much. I don't know why they can't find the good in this. Because you can't. You haven't. But let me move on. The whole congregation is starting to grumble again. You already got the definition of grumble, right? So we don't need to do that word again. But this one gets worse. Because guess what? When you start to grumble, 
it doesn't get better. You ever notice that sin never gets better, it gets worse? If I'm wrong, quote me. You ever notice that sin gets, the trajectory is never to get better. Once you've committed, it only gets worse. Y'all know what I mean. Y'all can go through sin patterns all day and y'all recognize it. You think about drugs, you think about alcohol, you can think about whatever you want, you think about sex. Everything usually has a tendency to get worse. Think about pornography, all of that. It just makes itself worse. You want more. But watch how bad the sin had gotten. These people had the audacity to say that he should have left us in Egypt. If you don't believe me, this is not the first time they're going to do this. They did it what? Right before the what? When did they say this? Right before the Red Sea. Read it with me. Verse 3. The sons of Israel said to them, would, have, would that we have died by the Lord's hand in the land of what? Egypt. Oh, my ex-wife was way better than this. Oh, my last boyfriend, he was way better. My last girlfriend, I don't, they never did this. Oh, it, it would have been better if I just died. Now, let me, let me tell you why that hurts so much. He just saved him a month ago. He just split a Red Sea. He just let him see all the plagues. He let him know what it took. He saw all their firstborns die, but their firstborns live. Think about this. The Passover. That was the last plague that got them out of Egypt. They saw it all. And you would say, I'd rather go back? Now picture the this Passover, that God takes his blood, put it on the cross, the Passover, on the top of his doorpost, saved you from all of your sin. And some of us, because Christianity is so hard, we say, I'd rather go back to my slavery of sin. And God's like, you want to go back to that? You want to go back to when you was tripping, when you was wilding, when you was clubbing, when you was finding, when you was flinging? You want to go back to that? You don't know what I saved you from then. Remember I said that grumbling is a reversal of what? Your liberation. That complaining will make you want something that God has saved you from. Complaining will make you want exes and people and friend groups that you knew were leading you down the wrong path. And you'll say, man, at least those friends were had fun with. And God's like, wait, 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 you're missing it. I saved you from it. You don't even know how much I saved you from though. That's the problem. That you'd want somebody who would enslave you rather than me free you? But it gets worse. Then they add on to it. They tell the reason why. You ain't hate when people apologize and then tell you why. Like, I'm sorry, but once they put a butt on it, it's a wrap. They, they add to it real quick. They said, we had pots full. Hear this. You know why I know their exaggeration? Because they were oppressed. Egypt, what, they weren't homies. You know when you go to your favorite auntie house and she cook a full meal for you? This wasn't that. They were slaves. So yes, did they eat? Absolutely they ate. Why did they eat though? So they can keep what? Working. Don't you know that complaining will make you skip facts? Hear me. When you complain, you'll start skipping stuff that don't add up to your complaint. 
It's kind of like when you start complaining about your wife, even though she does everything else right, there's one thing you will belabor, but you skip 18 facts to get there. Your wife could clean, cook, take care of the kids, but because she don't do this, you skip 18 facts just to prove that she's bad. You're single. You're allowed to go work. You have freedom to serve the Lord, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And you have all these things that you could be doing with your time and your freedom, but you'd be like, well, when I find a man... So you skip 18 facts of God's deliverance from the last man just to prove the point that you want to complain about something else. Because, yeah, they, had, they could eat. It's obvious they ate. So I'm not going to sit here and exaggerate the point. They weren't starving. But Egypt fed them so they can use them. It's like cattle. You feed them so you can use them. That's the second thing I want you to understand. They were complaining about being used I'm not going to get into that psychology, but I pray that some of y'all, that may hit some of y'all, that we'll complain about a past where we were used, then focus on the fact that God doesn't want to use us only for his glory. Moving on. He says, in the pots of meat, when we ate bread to the full, for you have brought us out of the wilderness, watch these words, to kill the what? Whole assembly again. You brought us out to kill us, dog. Let me ask you a question. That makes them a liar. When's the last time God brought you out just to kill you? But our complaint will get us so bad, we really think God is out to get us. How many of you ever thought God was out because the trouble seems to follow you? You're like, well, God has to be out to get me now. God, I mean, there's no way God will want me in this. And I'm God's like, no, God, I want you in the wild. But I'm not out in the wild to kill you. I'm out here to make you better. You know why they're in the wild? Can I just say this real quick? They're in the wild because his covenant was bigger than the Egyptians. His promise that they were his people, despite the fact that they sinned to be there. You got, people keep missing that fact. They weren't in Egypt because God just wanted to use Egypt. They were in Egypt because they kept sinning. So God liberated from what they deserved, puts them in the wild so they can get to a promised land, and they're complaining about the journey. So then I'm saying to y'all, God is saying, I saved you from your sin. I took you from your past. I saved you from the things that you thought nobody else could forgive you from. All the things, the dirt and the stuff that people don't know about you. All the things you think God can't, nobody should know. And all the stuff that you think, oh, God can never forgive me. God's like, I forgave you already. I already died for it all. So why are you complaining? Yeah, you may have had some pots to eat. You may have had some, you may have, you may have shacked up and lived with somebody and that was okay. So yeah, you could say, well, my bills were fine. He paid the bills. Yeah, 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 that's fine. But living in sin is never the same as liberation. No, but let me get off that. Nobody wants to hear that. Because watch what he says next, and I'll close. Watch the repetition. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven. Hear this. For you and the people shall go out. I'm not going to finish the rest of that text because it's going to make my next point and I'll be, I'll be done. Where did that bread come from? Heaven. Did they have to go get it? Did they have to go hunt? Did they have to go find it? No. It followed them wherever they were. That means the beauty of it coming from heaven. Just, just check the geography. The beauty of it coming from heaven is that means they never had to go get it. It came from the source that was walking with them. So that means if they walked 30 miles that day, the bread would rain from heaven wherever they were. They never had to leave their camp to find food. You would think 
that that would make them feel happy that God didn't just give them bread that came out of the ground and was dusty and you had to go find it. We're talking about bread they couldn't even describe, so they had to name it something else called manna. That's how beautiful that bread was. They were like, what is this? I've never tasted this before. You know why they never tasted it before? Because it came from God. <laughs> Hear me. You know why you when, you, when God, even despite your complaints, you know, that's, the, that's the beauty of the text, is that they grumbled and he still provided my prayer for you is you see that sometimes even despite your complaining, my God is still providing. My God is still saying, I'm here. I know you need to eat. Because right there in the verse, it proves my point because it said what? Only go out and get what you what? A day's portion. Don't start stacking. Here's what problem when many of us complain and finally God starts giving us a little bit of things. We start what? Snatching it up. We want all of it. And God's like, no, no, no. I want you to know that I'm the only one who gave it to you and it's only going to last a day. I'm not going to let it last longer than that because I want you to know that I'm the one who gave you your daily portion. Nobody else can give it to you. You can't even put it in a savings account. And when I look at my past, all the complaints I had, it almost brings me to tears. When I complain about my bills, even though every month I paid them. Now, I didn't have a lot of money. I still don't. And I'm okay with that. But I learned my lesson. I told God one day, I learned my lesson. I used to complain about bills. I used to complain about I had no savings account. But then God looked at me one day when I was in my prayer life and I was in the middle of a complaint. He's like, but you eating though. You have your daily portions, don't you? I mean, your kids are fed. They, they, they were in the hospital for two weeks. I paid off that medical bill. You're forgetting the provisions. You may not see your blessings because it's not an exorbitant amount of money. You may not have a savings account. But when is the last time you went hungry, P? When is the last time your car didn't turn on, P? When is the last time you couldn't get to work and make a living? And you're talking to me about what? Daily portions? I've given you every single day. Every morning you wake up, you hit that alarm clock. That is my breath. That is proportioned. And God's like, oh, you don't get it. And I know they didn't get it because they complained in the next chapter. My prayer is this church won't be like that church. That these people won't be like these people. That we'll learn our lessons. I pray you learn from my testimony. Y'all, I'm dead serious about that. God had to teach me over and over again. I got you. I got you. Stop. My restless nights were worthless, y'all. Those nights I was worried about my next bill. God was like, but why are you up? Go to sleep. You've been married 10 years and you ain't never been broke. You ain't never had a borrow. You may not have had a lot, but you never had a borrow. And even if you did, I gave you the people to borrow from. Y'all, man, look. I look back at all my complaints, they were trash. Like he didn't deserve a single one of them. I got a beautiful wife. I got three kids that are healthy. That's it, that's all I need, y'all. I'm not talking beautiful, I'm talking about just a beautiful, godly woman that loves and supports me. That's all I need. Some of y'all, we miss it. And I'm saying me, Pierre Kennings, has missed our blessings. Worried about what he hasn't done yet. Complaining about things that we want. Not what we need. Because right after that, he said, I'm going to test him again. 
My prayer is this time you pass your test. I do pray for y'all. I promise you I'm praying for y'all that y'all pass your test. You stop complaining. Because he says, I'm going to give them what they need. But I pray they pass their test and do what I tell them. That's the, that's the critical part. That's the only juncture I need to finish with. He says, I will test them. So even while I give them their daily portion, I will test them. He starts telling them, hey, this is what I want you to do. This is how I want you to function. Do it. Because you see that I'm a provider. Just do it. I was on one of my longest road trips, and I'll, I'm going to have to cut this story down. I, my dad somehow gave me permission at the age of 18 or 19 to go help move my boy back from California. So we, I flew up, but I had to drive back. He picked me up in the car. He didn't describe, and that scared me. I said, hey, where's your car? He said, ah, I got bad news. They got no AC. Now, if you know anything about Cali, I'm going to be quick with this. There's a highway that connects California to Texas and to Florida. It's called I-10. It's not just a Houston thing if you didn't know that. that. That literally runs all the way to Florida. But the problem with I-10 is it goes on the south. That means it flows through what? Arizona, New Mexico, no AC in the month of May. <laughs> we hot. I'm riding like you shouldn't ride. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. Now, you, we know us if you know what I'm fixing to say. You don't ride looking like you, like you, could, like you deserve to be pulled over. You ride looking professional as you can. I had a tank top on, no shoes, barely, and the socks were pulled all the way down. Uh, and he was, he was of Asian descent. He was going to make it. <laughs> I wasn't going to make it. Then we get to Phoenix. He loses his wallet. So guess who got to pay from gas from Phoenix all the way to Houston? My dad. I called my dad. I said, Dad, I, look, he lost his wallet. I ain't got no money. <sighs> That's all I heard. Use the shell card. Bye. <laughs> we get into Houston, it gets worse, right? The trouble seemed to follow us. You know where I'm going with this. We get to Houston, guess what we hit? We have some time we arrive in Houston in a summer day in May with no AC. Five o'clock. Now remember, we're using what? I-10 at five o'clock before it became six lanes. We're stuck. Now, when you're in Arizona, at least you caught the night wind. We haven't slept. We haven't talked to each other, and nor have we slept. Why? Because I'm mad at the fact that I'm riding in a car with no AC, and I came to help you. We finally get to my home. I'm not going to lie, y'all. This is probably not godly. I said, all right, bro, bye. Slammed my door. Had the bag in my lap already. I didn't even wait. Had it packed. Got out. But even as trouble followed us, I, I forgot the blessings. Hear me. Even if your life is hot, the car never broke down. Even if your life is hot, we had the, the daddy to call to get a shell car. Even if your life is hot, I still made it home. So even if your life is hot and your marriage is hot and your job is hot and all these things you think your life should be fixed by now, my God is like, I like the journey because it only proves you need to call your daddy. It only proves that you, when you come home, you're going to appreciate the AC that I have. So when I walked in the house, stripped down, took a shower, and guess what I did? Laid on that bed like many of us have done, straight boxes and nothing else, and just enjoyed the fan. But guess what I used to do about that house because my daddy's from Guyana and he don't like the AC? I used to complain about that 78 that he'd be having it on. 78! 
I loved every 78 about that house <laughs> because I now appreciated the fact that I had AC. Sometimes your journey and the reason why it's hot is because you don't appreciate the fact that God's been giving you AC your whole life. My prayer is that your attitude changes. And I thank you for your time and hopefully your open hearts. Can we pray? This is for y'all. Because I already told you this is me, so it's not like I'm lying to y'all. If your heart knows that you, you've had an attitude that doesn't reflect God's provisions, that you have an attitude that kind of reflects your current circumstances but not God's provisions, that maybe you have been complaining about things that you know God already can. You haven't cried, but you've complained. That you haven't asked God for deliverance, you just keep complaining about it with no action, no faith. You're wavering on your faith because. You don't come to church because. You don't pray anymore. You don't read your Bible anymore because. But today, these are, this prayer is for those who said, you know what, no more. No more. I'm going to cry out, but I'm going to give it to God. I know, I, remember I said, you're allowed your reality. You're allowed to say, man, I, want, I, I would love to have a little more money so I'm not begging or not, not struggling. I would love to have a car that looked a little nice. You're allowed to know your reality. I'm just saying don't make a reality your God. So for those who haven't done it, I would say the right way. This is your test. I just hope you pass it. Will you still be obedient in your blessings and when you're hungry? So I leave it up to you today as Chris sings. If you would like to stand and say, God, I give it to you. I cry out to you. I won't complain, but I will definitely cry and let you know. I couldn't have picked a better song so we're going to conclude with that as worship as well but I'm going to always give y'all two opportunities if God has convicted your heart to know man Pierre you're right I'm kind of like you man have a tendency to complain without crying have a tendency to make my reality my God I have a tendency to make my reality my only thing I see but God has been providing on a daily way and today you want to not only stop but I'm going to ask you to do something crazy we're going to conclude worship with praise and thankfulness is the opposite of your complaintiveness. So when we sing and conclude worship, my prayer that not forcefully, but you worship with a genuine heart because you have now realized that God has been your provider the whole time. So for those standing, I'm going to pray with you real quick. 
And now, you know, we can all stand together and worship and conclude service, or sit down, excuse me, and conclude service. But I just want to say thank you for your transparency. Dearly Father, we thank you for those who are standing. God, I just want to say thank you for convicting me. I told you this sermon was just a beautiful reminder of what I used to be and what I can sometimes be today. God, I pray I never go back. I never look back. You've done too much for me to go back now. So I pray for everybody in the sanctuary that my heart is, their heart is similar to mine when we recognize there's, there's things in our lives that we need to clean up, the things that we can complain about need to become our cry, but not our complaint. That will pass the test of being obedient even when it's not good and when it's good. I pray that we will see you for who you are, that you're willing to drop trees into our life and make them sweet. You're willing to rain down manna from heaven that we don't deserve, that follows us all our days. So God, I thank you for your daily provisions. I thank you for those who recognize that you're still faithful. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. We conclude service with three things, as always, and I never want to rush them, but I want to give you a reality. If you don't know who your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is, we want you to have a relationship with him. Because sometimes the reason why we complain is because we don't have the relationship. Or you don't know who he is. So we never want to assume that everybody here is saved. And because of that, we always give an opportunity to receive the gospel message, which is Jesus Christ on the cross for your sins, and he rose three days later to die for you, our sins, that he gave you liberation from who you used to be. And if you don't have that story, if you never accepted that with faith, man, today's your day. Come see me, Kiran, Shad, Pastor Lawrence, any of the leaders, Pastor Elder Hall's here. See any of the leaders, Pastor, Pastor Young's here. See any of us. We'll, we'll pray with you. We'll talk with you. We'll love on you. If you would like to join Living Word Fellowship Church, this is the easiest invitation because I already proved that I'm not a perfect pastor. Nor am I a perfect person, nor this is a perfect church. But it's a church that hopefully will teach the Word of God faithfully, no matter the conviction, and no matter where you may like it or not. We are a church that wants to love you and love God. If you'd like to do that, Pastor Lawrence is the faithful guy still on crutches back there serving faithfully. You come to my left, your right, in the back by the post. And lastly, if you need prayer outside of what was preached today, we would love to pray with you. The elders will be here. Elder Hall is here. I'm here. And we'd love to pray with you because the Bible tells us if you need prayer in the church, to pray as elders. And we will do that. We won't be faithful to that. But other than that, I want us to end worship different. I want us to end giving God his due. Because there's so much to be grateful for. There's so much to thank God for. So I say this and I say this nicely. If we're not going to complain, we might as well give praise. Can you stand with me?
You are dismissed. We love you. We thank you. I hope you leave with a changed heart that changes lives. Amen. Thank you.